0: Hey, everybody, it's yours truly, the Iceman, Jamie Dundee, and you're listening to Wolfie D's Live and in Color, because don't diss the man or we'll bum rush your mother.
1: Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more, nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to Live and In Color with Wolfie Deep. This is me, your host, Jimmy Street, and here we are again, one more time with Wolfie D. Wolfie D, how you doing today, brother? What's going on, Jimmy? You all right? Yeah, man. I'm good. I'm good. Just living the dream or trying to, you know. Trying I'm to serious. be more like you. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's really cool is I wanted to kind of start this off by saying you know the response to the first episode has been awesome we've really enjoyed all the people that have have not only downloaded listened followed liked everything that we've done so far and have let us know about it you know that's been a big big thing for us to kind of know we're doing something right You know, how does it feel, man? How does
2: it feel to kind of know that this process is going and and how do you feel about it? I love it, man. I mean, I think it's something, um, if nothing else, I mean, it's kind of fun to reminisce and talk about it, you know, for the people that, you know, I I realize there's people out there that um, enjoy listening to the old stories and enjoy the old days and and things like that. And, you know, if I can give them some entertainment for, what, an hour a week or whatever, then yeah, let's do it, man. I love it. I mean... I mean, I think you and I both agree the old days are better,
1: and I hate to sound like that guy, you know, that, you know the old gold guy said it was better in the old days, but it,
2: I mean, we know it was. one thing yeah. and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing where I don't you know, I think I've kind of I would say that I would have said that probably five, ten years ago, and yes, to me, to me, it's better, but I think the reality of it is it's just different. And it's not like if I was a kid right now, I don't know that I would like it. You know what I'm saying? So I think everybody's different. I think the formula is somewhat the same. I always say that the formula is, is usually the same, but there's some stuff that just... I'm like all the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: What's going on here? You know, I think you spoke about last week the lack of selling, and and you guys, I, you know, you guys just know how to make somebody absolutely think you were dying, and you yeah. know the old Ricky Morton way of selling things, you know, yeah. and. Absolutely. And uh, nowadays, these guys, and, and by the way, we're going to introduce a new segment near the end of the show here called current affairs. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Wolfie who admittedly does not pay attention to anything current other than random <laughs> things that pop up. And I'm going
2: <laughs> to yeah. ask you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to ask your opinion on what you thought of it or if you even heard of it and, and, and kind of just, I think it'll be a fun part of the episode to kind of, yeah. you know, let people know. But other than that, one thing that, you know, we kind of wanted to talk about now is this one is going to be entitled The Rise of PG-13. And so PG-13, as everyone knows, was Wolfie and and JC Ice, and they really took that team everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. from Mexico, from, I mean, literally everywhere. So the, every federation that was around at the time literally took it everywhere. But what I want to start is at that very beginning, and we'll go through some times of your, you know, you were 16-time tag champs. So let, let me out. tell a
2: funny story on that, Jimmy, real quick. Yeah, real please quick. do. Please do. BJ, yeah, we, we, at the beginning of our career, had just got on USWA because we're kind of talking about that time period right now. We went to yes, a town sure. uh, in Chicago. Wheeler, Kentucky. It was where we started. If you remember me telling you that on the last one, I do. And this do. guy, this guy comes up to me, and, and Jamie was standing next to me, and you know we had been on TV for I don't know a few months or like that or whatever. So to them, and this is BG thirteen, opal shirt, right? yeah. And right. uh, so the guy, there's a battle roll at the end of the night, and somewhere randomly this guy walks up to me and he says what's your record in the viral (laughs) and then the same exact guy uh no maybe it was the same guy but this is a good story and i wish you could see my face to tell it because this guy comes up to me and he goes and okay so this is in uh, i don't know 93 something like that Okay. He comes up to me and goes, or I, I go to him. We'll fix him to go to the ring, and they're horrible. I mean, just, I know they're going to be horrible, right? And I right. said, Hey, man. Uh, just because, I mean, I was green too. We were the Hills, and, I, and I'm going to give this guy a chance. And I said, Yeah, yeah. Brother, you, uh, you got any spots? And he goes, <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I looked at Jamie. I didn't know what to think. And I said, So you're. Tell me you ain't got no spots. And I swear to God, this dude looks at his arms and he goes, Nope. <laughs> 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 swear to God, true story. That's what I knew we were in for a rough match. <laughs> as far as trying to, you know, make this worth the shit. Yeah, okay. Shit like that. All right, back to where we were.
1: <laughs> so that's hilarious. I can imagine your dismay of,
2: of essentially <laughs> Uh, this guy, does he, is he a cheater? <laughs> he, he's, he's thinking, I want to know if he's got spots on his body. Give me a break. That's how <laughs> ignorant some of these people getting in business are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh. That is a great story. I can't, oh, I can't believe. It. Now, that is a, a Wolfie D exclusive right there, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> so, so <laughs> to start this process, like I said, 1,600 time tag champs. But starting out here, you basically... Basically, so the storyline goes is Jamie had turned on his dad, Bill, storyline-wise, and that is kind of around the time of the forming of that. Now, I think you straightened me out on that a little bit. He had turned yeah. on – you guys You guys had turned on someone else. What, what's the story there?
2: Okay, so we're talking about going into USWA. But forming the team happened in the, in the in the Outlaws. That's what independence used to be yeah. called, the Outlaws. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. if – we we formed that there. Boom, boom, boom. So, one night, we're on a outlaw show in uh, Beaverdam, Kentucky. Okay. Jeff Jarrett was there. Uh, Pistol Pez, Wiley. You know, some people we've been around. Jamie knew them all because he grew up with them. You know what I'm saying? His dad. you know, Right. He grew up with them. He was a kid around all of them. So, yeah. Jamie obviously knew Jeff. And, you know, we knew we kind of had a good thing going with the gimmick. And uh, Jamie had one of those big VHS recorders. And he said, Jeff film this match. Cause I think we weren't brick house and somebody else, which we knew was going to be pretty good. So yeah. believe it or not, Jeff said, okay. And Jeff uh, actually stood outside Beaver Dam, Kentucky's, you know, outlaw show dressing room and held a video camera and filmed our match for us. And uh, yeah, I know at that time, especially. Um, and so we come back and he's, he's like, that was good. And Jamie pulls the tape out of it. He says, go take that to your dad.
3: Just so like all
2: right, so Jerry is the Booker in USWA, and uh, yeah. So uh, I forget who's trying to call who, who's trying to do what. Believe it or not, Bill was actually trying to block us from getting a job there. That's a whole other oh. story. Okay, but uh, uh, Jeff showed it to his dad. His dad loved it. Um, so we kept trying to schedule an appointment. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of where Jerry lived in Hendersonville, up on top of a hill. Right. Big mansion. mansion. Uh, a, yeah. yeah, it was it was nice. And that was where the office yeah. was. Right. So we're trying to get an appointment to get there. Uh, the first week we show up, we actually pull in the driveway uh, and and Jerry blew us off. He never came to the door, called us uh, later and said, sorry, guys, I'm sick, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, like, fuck, okay. And Jamie said, we ain't quitting. <laughs> and so that's what yeah. he said to me. Yeah. We finally get another one, I don't know, like a week later pull up to the mansion and Jamie said, he said, before we go in, he said, I'm just telling you, uh, if we make him laugh, we got a job. I'm like, all right. Cause that was kind of our early edition of PG 13 was a lot of comedy and little heels screwing up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the look, the look was something unique that nobody had done yet. So totally. And I'll, I'll say that in Proudness, when I say other people that have copied us after us. But anyway, so <coughs> <laughs> yeah, too cool. Public enemy. We can go on. on. Anyway, yeah. um, so we go in and his office. You, you go right into it, and he said, "All right, boys." And he's got a red nose still from where he's been so sick and blowing it all the time and everything. And he says, "Go in, go in that room right there." And we had our stuff with we had the hubcap and everything. And uh, he said, well, put this gimmick on. Let me see it. And so we go in there and we change clothes <laughs> in, a, in a room next to it. Dude, we had to walk across. The, like There was a ballroom in there. And I was 19, 18 years old, dude. I was, like, blown away. <laughs> so we come back in his office with the gimmick on, hats crooked, sunglasses on, hubcap around the neck, tennis shoes. And we stand there and we just look at him. And he, if you have ever seen Jerry on some of his commentary and things, just, like, been around him he'll he'll pause for a long time sometimes and then spit in that cup yeah and he started he started giggling he started giggling he said i love it (laughs) so at that moment we knew okay we got a job we didn't know you know old school 80s and stuff they used to play the the music videos of the wrestlers before they would show up for like a month and then they'd show up and you would have that hype he said, I want you guys to write a rap and, uh, we're going to film a, a rap video. And see at that time, me and Jamie really, we were just being thugs. We weren't rappers. I liked rap and you, if you know, Jamie, Jamie's not a rapper, <laughs> you know? So yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking this is going to be so challenging. Uh, but anyway, so I write this rap. Um, we filmed the video. It, the first one was okay. I look back on it now, and I'm like, God, that's an awful bit. It was. It was uh, four weeks worth, two different raps, four weeks before we ever came on TV. And so that's how much he liked the gimmick and wanted to get it over, and uh, that's, yeah. that's how that started. There was never, at that point in time, never a, this is Jamie Dundee, Bill's son. We didn't mention it. We were right. you no know, one of those things Disney ignored. Yeah. We were just... Two dudes from the hood and we were heels and little first, second, third match guys and happy as hell to be there. And you know, that's what that was. Brother. I just got chill bumps because two things
1: I just realized here, J E double F J a double R E double T was holding (laughs) a camera. And he yeah. was a split second away from that character to being in the Fed because not only you know I guess Mouth of the South opened the door for Memphis up there, but you know mm-hmm. Lawler had been Lawler had been a mainstay, but really in '92 Lawler
2: goes to WWF and he's mm-hmm. working right. there. in all also- yeah, 1993 he was back and forth because we just think we right. lost him and Jeff in the territory, and that everybody thought, oh my God, we ain't got Jeff, we ain't got Lawler, we're, we're done, we're done,
1: yeah. Yeah, that was one thing you just said. And then also the idea that you guys walk out of a ball, basically in a mansion, you walk out with the whole (laughs) gimmick. And he's mind spinning, saying this could either be amazing or we could be Crazy, and we can make him heal. I mean, I can just imagine he's seeing all the potential in these two young guys. First of all, right. JC Ice at the time Jamie was like a 19 year veteran because he had been there yeah. since he was a kid, and being Bill's right. son, you know. And then you getting to take from that, you're the up and coming, you know, partner that you're yeah. just like wide eyed, bushy tails, trained, right, brought in the business yep. correct, but at the yeah. same time you're like still pretty green right here i would almost oh say. super and, duper yeah and then at the same time he's seeing some money in you guys so two things mm. got me chill bumps there and i i had to go back to that yeah. so that's awesome man you know and i don't want to cut you off there but you know around this time you guys had the the chance of being around one of what i would consider the honestly in, in in my opinion one of the greatest announcers of all time lance russell oh yeah do you have any cool stories
2: about when lance first saw you guys how did he react how did he um man i can just say that as far as that goes like i did not know lance on a personal level i only saw him at tv or I only saw him right. at the coliseum he wasn't wanting to come really talk to you before your match or anything like that. I mean, he was Lance Russell, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, he was my favorite growing up and to have him comment in my match. Oh my God. Really? (laughs) That was another (laughs) thing that was just like incredible to me. Uh, there were so many moments right there. Um, being on Memphis TV for the first time was, a flash. I mean, I've seen the match, but at that point, it was like, 30 seconds long and it really wasn't, but it was like, and then I did my first interview and I had my back to the camera. I got chewed out for that, yeah. but they still, they knew I was green and everything, just right. little things like that, man. But yeah, that, I mean, I mean, having Lance Russell commentate your matches and then later as we progressed, uh, cause you know, he went away for a little bit right there. And then uh, Randy got him to come back. And that's when we had some of the big feuds where he was really involved. In, yeah. So then that was even better. But just being there at that point for me was like, wow,
1: and for real, it had to be, man, because not only yeah. did you grow up on this TV, this is, to me, like me getting to stand beside Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen and the Midnight Express. That, that right. to me, so just to give you a comparison, you were doing it when you were 18, 17, 18, and, yeah. and your mind… In a way, you had to be like, okay, I'm ready. I'm here. I shot through the minor leagues, and I'm here yeah. at the majors, and right. I'm going to prove myself. And Jamie's yeah. over here, like I said, at 18-year pro in his time, you know, from his diapers, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so to start off, I'm going to also kind of work in your tag team championships here. Now, again, we're going to clear up some of this stuff because, as usual, the Internet is wrong on some things. But it shows in '93 no. you will be brian christopher exactly right (laughs) brian christopher in a handicap match now was that with jeff and jeff had left for the wwf
2: at that point is that man i honestly uh i don't remember why that happened or what they even because i promise you it was a i know that match was on tv and i think they were the tag champs and we were still the undercard guys and that's what we had the midget with us at that point, too. I remember that. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, I do, yeah. And uh, some kind of way, one of them was hurt. I don't remember which one. But we, we were able to, two and a half on one, get the tag team titles. And okay. then I'm pretty sure that Monday night we lost them. And I don't remember who that was too, because that wasn't like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I knew that was yeah. just, we were pawns in the title thing. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Now, before
1: the win against Brian, and, and let me just state this, okay? Let it mm. let it be said for history. I personally think that Brian Christopher is honestly one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, and I will um, say it. You know I'm he could have like. been as big as Shawn Michaels, in my personal opinion, because first of all he had all the charisma, mm-hmm. and honestly, and it was smart that he didn't say Brian Lawler. I know he went to that in the early days of TNA, but Brian Christopher was smart because, and I know there's things with his dad, and we're not not a Brian Christopher episode. We will have one in the future, but yeah. to me, and I'm just wanted to state that as my personal opinion, and it's good to hear that you agree because he's yeah, such a great it,
2: man. I, I used to uh, me and Brian had great matches I mean throughout the years I mean throughout yeah, the years together against each other I always loved working Brian man uh, at first I don't think he trusted me uh, he was more of the veteran I don't think he trusted me sure and I think it's kind of one of those uh, you know respect type of deals where he's like okay this dude can go so yeah. we ended up having yeah. better matches once he'd actually let me put my input. When we first started wrestling, I wasn't allowed to say, shit, that's just guy I right. used to be. But then when he figured right. out, he's got good ideas and he can go. And then that's when, you know, it got a lot a lot better with that and everything.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's one of those guys. And you actually, I think, turned into that. You could work with a broomstick as well. He's one of those guys right. that could do that. So 93, you win the titles. Brian Christopher in a handicap match, or Jeff. We're 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 not a hundred percent there, but one of them were hurt, and then not, you
2: lose the titles, and then boom. Tell me what happens. Let's see. We still were having a bit of a run at the. the we were still undercard tag team. Like I said, we had the midgets. Then we started working with uh, Danny Davis and Ken Wayne as the American Eagles, and they had they had a midget as well, uh, Roger. Um, Okay. so we had we were doing this loop with and boy, man, like you couldn't work the outlaws back then. Okay, so just because we were on TV, we had to work where we were booked and you were booked basically six nights a week. If you worked for outlaws, you got fired. There was no let me get some exposure and then let me go get paid on this show over here. And it wasn't like it is now, but still, you couldn't do that. So you had to work the infamous Buddy Wayne Towns. And Buddy was killing us, man. It would be me or, yeah, say me and Danny first, Jamie and Kenny second. And Buddy wouldn't book more than five matches. And those were usually on Thursday, uh, Thursday, Friday nights in some BFE town, man. And you wouldn't make no money. You knew it going there. The house probably wasn't going to be any good. Anyway, yeah. though, so first, second, and then third match would be probably – uh uh, maybe the mixed tag with the midgets. And then he would have possibly Lawler or somebody on top or something like that. But I mean, he raped us and the payoffs were awful and he hated us at the same time. That's the thing he hated. Us. <laughs> but he, then, uh, we walked out on him one night. I got a couple of buddy Wayne stories, but uh, we, uh, this was when we were champs though. And we were kind of getting that first push. So a little bit of timeline difference here, but it's a funny story is yeah. we come in and there was a guy uh he was a bobsledder from the olympic team that wwe had in their training program i cannot remember his name there was also okay. a big huge uh muscle guy named uh, max muscle you know Michael. and uh tag okay, yes. team and he had us booked against them on a friday night now you know memphis did tv on a saturday morning so right this friday night and this Tom um, Fuck Town, man. He he comes to us and he tells us the finish. And he says, you know, something about, I don't remember exactly how it went, but something, uh, Jamie was going to have him in Boston Crab and brother's going to hit him with the chain. And they were going to beat us one, two, three for the titles. And, you know, yeah. TVs TV just a storyline. You know, th- that's not how that worked. You know, Buddy couldn't just show up and say, well, I'll strip him the titles, change the whole TV in the morning. Hell no. So <laughs> and me and Jamie were still at that point. We were a little bit green. If it would have been today, we would have immediately said go fuck yourself. But <laughs> so we <laughs> we went back and we kind of sat together and we said, "Is he driven?" <laughs> I said, I, "You know him better than I do. I don't think so." But Jamie said, oh, "I don't think he's driven." Yeah. I said, "Well, Jamie, we can't do that, man. We in the morning we're working Tommy and Doug in this big angle, and so." <laughs> We go to buddy and I'll never forget he's standing there. Cause buddy's thing was he'd make his money because the concession stand like the, you know, the, the kind of Grammy promoter. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> he had two bags of popcorn, one in each hand. And then we yes. said, buddy, um, we can't do that finish. And he said, what do you mean? I said, buddy. Uh, we've got these titles, we can't show up to TV uh, getting beat here. He said, can I ask you a question? Jamie said, what? He said, do you think these people are going to believe that you two little motherfuckers can beat those two big athletic men out there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jamie on, on on point just looked at Buddy. He said, "I tell you what they well believe is that we ain't fucking wrestling tonight." <laughs> 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 Buddy, Buddy took that popcorn. Uh, just the I can see the visual. He threw that popcorn up in the air and slammed it on the ground. He said, "You goddamn prima donna son of a bitches!" And he walked out of the room. And we grabbed our bags and we left. And did we get in trouble? Mm-hmm. No. That's <laughs> <Everybody> how <laughs> hated of- us. Yeah, but I mean, hey, you know
1: that you stood by what you had to stand by because you knew you would be in more trouble if you did, you know.
2: And he was trying. Yeah, and, he and, was and, trying to take advantage of us. That's all.
1: Exactly, exactly. That is a great story. You know, I, I can't wait for more of these. Honestly, I want to. I want to <laughs> like. I, I want to do it all right now, but I know we've got future episodes for these for these fine folks out here. So, so did, wh- what was the thing about Mexico in '93?
2: Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, Ninety. Let's see. Ninety-four was actually Mexico, early 94. Okay, early 94. Uh, A guy named Tiger Mike Anthony from Canada, Uh, he's passed. He came into Memphis. Uh, We worked a little bit with him and Jeff Gaylord and um, still kind of mid-card stuff or whatever. But Mike was good, and Mike had been to Mexico already. Mike's family owned oil companies up in Canada and he so he had all this money, he didn't have to get paid. He could just get his parents to send him money all the time. And seriously yeah. that's what he did. He went to a whole bunch of different places, dude around the world. I mean he was a good wrestler, but he wasn't really making any money or making a name for himself. But it's because, hey mom, uh can y'all send me a grand, you know, shit like that. Yeah. I mean just yeah. unlimited money. So anyway, when um we got fired In early 94, because we drove, and this is all going to create more stories, uh, we drove a 78 (laughs) Thunderbird that had a rusted-out roof on it, and when it rained, I'd have to scoot, Jamie usually drove, I'd have to scoot over in the middle of the bucket seat, and we'd have to look like was <laughs> a couple going down the yeah, road, okay. it would be pouring in on the other side. We can yeah, find those, yeah. uh, re, what do you call them, re tires, where they would put the strip in the middle of a bad tire, Yeah, something like that, they right. were cheap as shit, and we kept blowing out tires, we'd be late, we'd be this, we'd be that. And by that time, kind of the newness uh, to Jerry Jarrett, it kind of wore off. Right, and he was getting sick of it, and but we could. It was a legit shoot. Hell, uh, Scotty Flamingo was in the territory, uh, Raven, and he was riding with us one day. Somebody blew out. He had to yeah. help us push it over the one twenty six exit on I forty over to a truck stop to get it fixed. I mean, this was yeah. legit stuff. We weren't lying, right? And yeah. so anyway, uh, finally a one night right. blew out, and it was just a point where we couldn't even make it. Man, so Jerry parted ways with us. Mike said, "I'm going to Mexico." Jamie said, "Take us with you." Mike said, okay. So we went to Mexico. We made zero money down there. Mike's family basically paid for us to have a vacation down there is all it was. But it was so much fun. We were in the heart of Mexico City. We were going to these. And let me tell you, the first bump that I ever took in Mexico hurt like hell. Those rings were not American rings. You know, things have changed now where it's kind of all universal. That's why if you look back in those days, man, AAA, they take those rolling bumps. Because that right. shit's like concrete, brother. And I took an American hip toss right off the bat. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> but anyway, we had fun with that, man. And uh, I, Jamie stayed a little longer than I did. And then I came back Came back to Memphis.
1: Tell me a little bit about Mexico. Now, mm-hmm. I've heard that, you know, America works from the left. Is it Mexico works from the right? Is that right? Yeah, is, yeah. Is that I mean, in how-
2: these days, like I said, a, there's been so much crossover um, beginning right. in the... Middle eight nineties. Uh, but yes, back then it was all right-handed. It was all, uh, six man tags, best two out of three falls. Nobody sold nothing. You just go, 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 go. And yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it was an awesome experience. You know what I mean? The, and that's the thing sure. about me and Jamie were so lucky coming up. We got to experience so much that the guys today don't get to, man, they get to go to these outlaw shows and it's like the blind leading the blind. And I I don't want to send any any guys, but that just is what it is. You know, every night I'm working with guys who've been in business for 20 years, you know what I'm saying? And getting taught stuff and, Learning all the way, learning all the way. And no disrespect to anyone else
1: either, Wolfie, but I remember when we first met, not to bring up this again, but you were sitting by yourself and I was talking to you just because I was Mm -hmm. like starstruck and wanted to talk to you. But at the same time, (laughs) none of the other wrestlers were really talking to you. And it blew my mind. They're over there going over their match. And I'm like, you know what? This dude is sitting here. Why aren't they just saying, Hey, what do you think? Like, you know, and uh, you never really showed frustration like that, but it blew my mind that you weren't being taken advantage of. I mean, they would bring other guys in. Like I remember Shane Douglas came into Saw just to sign some gimmicks and stuff, and he was in the back, yeah. and they were all around him. But it was just well,
2: weird. Well, because man. Like- I can explain that. I can explain that to you. When you start in a certain area, like I, yeah. you know, I started in Nashville. I started in Shelbyville. Those that that little area right there. Sure. There's going to be some guys that are jealous as fuck. And there's going to be other ones that are not, but they've also been around you for how many ever years? So there's a newness that wears off. I'm not the new toy anymore. You know, those guys come in, they've been in in their marks for them. They've been watching them on TV, but I was, ah, that's just whoopee or man. Motherfucker. I should have been, I should have been in that spot. I'm better than him. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, and there's probably guys that did that. Anyway, I do know what you're saying. And that makes total
2: sense.
0: Let's take a quick timeout and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdse hey folks to get your official live and in color with wolfie d merchandise go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash live wolfie d check it out if you're listening to live and in color with wolfie d on apple podcast and like what you're hearing Go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's
1: very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. So Mexico, then you come back and there's these two guys, these wrecking shops that are running through the Memphis tag scene right now. Why don't you tell me a little bit about those guys? Oh, the
2: Eliminators, Perry Satter and John Cronus, man. Uh, Two of the most athletic, strong dudes made huge names for themselves in ECW after this point when when i came back like i said i came back a little before jamie eliminators were there in memphis uh, randy had took over the booking uh, the houses were, were were better than they were when we left for whatever reason and had nothing to do with us because we were lower to mid-card it had nothing to do with us but for some reason the, the stuff was catching on eliminators were over man they had heat you know people believed them because let me tell you after all the matches i've had with them i believe them too Terry Saturn is one of the stiffest people I've ever wrestled in my life. And John Cronus it. was one of the most athletic dudes to be his and size. So right. anyway, uh, I come back, and it's Memphis. Uh, me and a guy named Spike Huber uh, were supposed to wrestle them in the title match in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that Spike was hurt for a shoot, and we had to get somebody to replace him. Well, I mean, this was a star's line, fate type thing. Jamie came back from Mexico, I don't know, like the week before or whatever. And we kind of knew it wasn't like it happened that night. You know what I'm saying? We kind of knew the week before that this is what we were going to do. We just kayfabe it. So anyway, uh, I go to the ring. Hey, we're going to kick, you know, they're telling me they're going to kill me because I don't have a partner and blah, blah, blah. They hit that music of uh, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. And that place went nuts man that place went nuts because i mean when i came back it was one thing you know uh but when you're a tag team like that they really like to see you together together
1: you know? it's like you know you um, don't want to see ricky without robert Hawkins.
2: right Daniel. right i mean you want to be in the together and that makes sense you yeah. know yeah so the place goes nuts uh great match they put us over uh uh, nice sunset flip with a hubcap finish and man oh yeah it, it, it was that gives me to a bounce because that was the that was the start of us not being mid carters anymore that was yeah. okay these guys got something going here that these people like yeah yeah so came back with a little bit for a little bit and I'm telling you man they beat the bejesus out of... They were fresh out of Japan. I don't know if I said that a minute ago. Fresh out of Japan, where it was, you know, a lot stiffer over there, especially in that day oh, and yeah. age. But they were oh, beating yeah. the dogs out of it, I mean, literally. <laughs> it was like, get us out of this. And because we worked them for a long time, a long uh, long enough for the people to go, these little motherfuckers are tough for taking this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So then it, um, it, it, a few more... Kings after that came in and out. Um, No, I don't want to say no significant because the guys that did come out, I respect very well. Um, Um, Absolutely. But it was just, it was not that, it wasn't that magnitude, and it wasn't what was fixing to happen. So let's see here. yeah. Yeah. So I know Jamie went back to Mexico Okay, so the Tommy and Doug angle starts after that, and this can be a long, long conversation here. Um, God, road stories even before where we were. That's that's the thing that's hard about this. We could get we could get into so many sub levels here. It's just that is hard to track. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what the people want, from what I'm seeing. You know, so you know, on our Facebook, Twitter, live, and in color with Wolfie D podcast, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everything. We want to see this as fans of you. We want to see this. Yeah. One of the things I don't want to go into '95 without without bringing up that you got a call from somebody, little dirty guy. He he had a big old mustache. I think you got a call from Dirty Dutch at some
2: point in '95. Yeah, and that was let me think. Okay, so we're to '94. There was a, I'm thinking Tommy and, see, Tommy and Doug started. Maybe so, but we'll just go there. Boy. So in November of 94, uh, Dutch calls me. He's booking Puerto Rico and he wants to bring me and Jamie down there. He had worked with me and Jamie in Memphis uh, in those first little bit before we got the, the kind of push and whatnot. And uh, so everybody knew uh, Puerto Rico was kind of. Where the territories would send you to kind of learn, you know, because you, you yeah, did. They yeah. had a they had a schedule like Memphis did, where we worked many nights a week, stuff like that. No other place had that at that time anymore. You know, it used to be like all the time, but then nobody else had that unless you worked for Vince. Um, So I was like, well, yeah, but the thing was, man, the reluctancy was. They killed Bruiser Brody there. Uh, there's a story right. about the Batten twins there. There's just a stories of it's a bad place, you know, is, for us. And then also they they were known for ripping you off and not paying you and shit like that. So, um, and so anyway, we make it down there, uh, Dutch. He really liked us. He really did, and we were in some good situations—not main event situations, but good situations. Uh, he didn't like bring us down his jobbers or not like that. Um, and actually, Mike Anthony was down there with us again, uh, and we worked with him a lot. Um, okay. But anyway, there was one night. there was a TV taping on the other side of the island, and. Uh, he Dutch, and and, and you got to remember, in a lot of these towns back then, man, dressing rooms weren't connected. It was bad guys in one, good guys in another, man. That shit didn't start right. till mid-90s, really, in a lot of places. So the, the referee could go back and forth, give you stuff, whatever. So Dutch told us before we went out there, we were heels, and he said, I want to get you guys over he said, I'm putting you in kind of like their version of job guys. They weren't, you know, stars or whatever. One of them was a big sure. Puerto Rican dude. One of them was a little Japanese guy. Yeah. And Dutch said, I don't want you to give them nothing. He, he said, I want you to get over. Okay, so if you were to tell me that today or even, you know, 10 years ago, I would know exactly what that meant. Then right. I kind of knew what it meant. Yeah. So <clears throat> we go out there and – uh I think me and the big guy locked up first, and we're kind of going back and forth a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm not doing a a ton of big stuff to him, but I'm not letting him do anything. But then he starts taking stuff and doing this, and and not like stretching me and not shooting none of that. It was just, I was giving him too much. And then we got the little Japanese guy in there and whatnot and finished the match, finished it strong. So we get back from the ring and Dutch is pissed. What the fuck? He said. I told you not to give him a fucking thing. He said. How do you want me to get you over if you're sitting out here selling to these guys? It ain't shit. Mm. I'm like, oh, fuck man. I thought you know. Right. <laughs> if you learn to have beat someone. I was always kind of taught that too. If you don't give them up, yeah. who the hell you beat? But anyway. Yeah. Who um, you beat? Right. <laughs> so, then uh, I think like it a rib. Uh, he booked us the very next TV against the same two guys, you know, and I knew that almost for the whole week coming up. So I'm like, man, and this dude, he was like a um, security guard sort of deal or something on the side or something, but he was a big dude, especially I wasn't that big back then. So I, you know, the boys are ribbing me all week long. Oh, you got to wrestle. I think his name was Armadito. You got to wrestle Armadito again. He's going to stretch your ass. He's going to stretch your ass. So, Here I am again at, you know, early 20s or 20. I don't even think I could drink in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I was like 20 still. And, uh, so I'm thinking, I am not getting my ass kicked here in Puerto Rico. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Can I straight up whoop him? I'm not sure. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) there was this, uh, there was this bar that hung over the ocean right down from where we live, and it's called the Blue Dolphin. And I went down there that night. And I sat out there, and the matches didn't start till nine. So, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, I'm going down to the Blue Dolphins, sitting there contemplating on, okay, how's this going to go tonight? Having a few drinks, and I come up with the idea of I'm gonna put icy hot on my fingers. I'm gonna stick in his fucking eyes. I'm gonna whoop shit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I put I put it on there uh, like like you would on your toothpaste. Put a, I said, yeah. I dug that shit, and I, I told him, t- first of all, I, took, I told him to take my arm. And when he did, I took my right hand, I dug that shit in his eyes, and I just start fucking knocking his ass. We're talking cuts mm-hmm. on his face, and, you know, just just hitting him. And right. so he gets out of the ring, match is over. Referee throws this thing out. None of this, uh, you know, this is a straight-up shoot, straight-up shoot. And the people knew because they were going crazy. Me and Jamie were kind of hyped, and, you know, this dude rolls out of the ring. He's bleeding. So he goes back to the back. Me and Jamie go back to the back. It's like pandemonium sort of. And I'll never forget, we all of a sudden, you know, a couple of the, uh, the Puerto Rican baby or heels that was in our dressing room were not happy with me. Amigo, you cheated. And so I'm thinking, okay, now he's, are they going to jump on me now? <laughs> so yeah. then we look out into the arena, and there's, I swear to God, probably about 15 to 20 cops with those fucking helmets and those clear shields. Yeah. And we're thinking, what the fuck, man? This dude, this Renacop guy's got some friends or because he's Puerto Rican and we're American and you know, all the stories, all, everything was just rushing through your head at that point. Right. Jamie goes and hides in the bathroom room and pulls his feet up on the stall. That's a, it's a funny thing, but I couldn't know where he was coming from. I mean, he pulled his feet up so you couldn't see his feet. He's going right, well, right. I ain't going. I ain't going because we think they're there for us. Well, yeah. What what had really happened was this dude goes back to the dressing room on his side and he pulls out a gun and he says to Victor, the promoter, Joe Vigo, He says, I killed the Wolfie. I killed the Wolfie. So Victor called the cops to protect me and Jamie from getting shot. Right. So the police escort us to our car. Uh, I think we had a driver to our car, takes us back to our hotel room. Yeah. We went to bed, and the very next morning... And I could feel this and see it like a scene out of a movie, man. It was early. I got to that payphone. It was right outside the the hotel, and it was pouring down rain. And I'm standing in the rain, and I called Dutch. And I said, "Man, what should I do?" He said, "Wolfie, I don't I don't got your back on this." And he said, "If you wouldn't icy hot him, I'd have your back. You know, just been a shoot, but you you put icy hot in a man's eyes." I said, "All right. right." I hung up the phone, took my ass to the airport, and flew home. And, and, and everybody that's been down there, uh, I've heard it from Savio Vega, I've heard it from Flash Flanagan, I've heard it from Bushwhacker, who was always a booker down there. Uh, apparently, uh, these guys, uh, and I, I guess Jamie was still there at the same time. He didn't leave when I left. But, um, right. But they came to the hotel, him and his dad, because he went home and his dad, you know, uh, finding people, the Mochismo type thing, all that. He, they came looking for me. And his daddy said, You let this little motherfucker do that to you? I don't know if those were exact words, but that was the basic reasoning behind coming looking for me. Sure. <laughs> and uh, So I can't say uh, whether they're going to just beat me up, whether they will kidnap me, whether they will kill me. I don't know, but I'm glad I left and I never went back. Yeah.
1: I mean, you brought it up, but earlier they killed one of the toughest,
2: legit toughest
1: wrestlers ever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Brody, and and got know, away with it. So. Yeah, So, and who's to say that they wouldn't do the same to you? And I think that's the right call. You know, (laughs) that to me, I think, Wolfie, for this episode, I think this is going to be a beautiful stopping point here. I think that brings (laughs) us through 94. 93, 94, we we have the start of the PG-13, what I would consider the rise of PG-13. 95 you've you've got Tommy you've got Doug you have some other things that involve other initials like yeah, we'll talk about the rock
2: and roll smoky smoky mountain oh, feud man. all that stuff we got a lot for I got a lot left, man, so I gonna go a lot on this. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. It's amazing, too, because I really feel like we've really tapped a vein here, and it, it's starting to come. So the beauty of that is, is we've got so much more. But 95, to me, is such a crucial year for PG-13 because you, you? dip your toe in the waters of the WWF. You have a great yep. feud with Tommy and Doug. You have an amazing match and feud with the rock and roll that leads to another feud with Tracy and Terry all around great and and the uswa smoky mountain feud if you haven't found that look it up on youtube watch every bit of it it is every bit worth it it is one of the things that i consider artistic about our beloved sport of wrestling, so you know. With that being said, I want to wrap this part up. Now, the cool thing is, is I want to involve you, a guy that, like we said, admittedly does not watch <laughs> the current product. Here comes the and hard I part,
2: to, Jimmy.
1: <laughs> yeah, here comes the hard part. All right, Wolfie, well, we're going to head into current affairs. DJ, hit the music. It's a current
0: affair. It's a current affair.
1: all right we're back to current affairs so the cool thing is we got through your times at pg-13 ended with that amazing story in puerto rico skin of your teeth and that kind of leads me to one of the questions speaking of skin of your teeth and and hardcore situations, you know in our current episode here we have a new segment called current affairs and the one that i want to start with is recently there was a death match with one of the most famous guys, his name's Nick Gage, in the current scene versus Matt Cardona, who was Zack Ryder in WWE, probably the least hardcore guy you would ever consider. He collects action figures and things like that. So have you heard anything about this? What do you think about deathmatch wrestling? You know,
2: what's your opinion? Uh, Man, I guess there's a niche for it. And again, things have changed. Maybe what I like ain't what somebody else likes. I think it's stupid yeah. I think it's dangerous uh, a, a lot of that stuff you cannot safely do you're taking a huge yeah. risk you know have I jumped out of balconies have I jumped off top of a cage yeah but I, I kind of knew okay there's this much of a risk and I was educated and, and been in long enough to know you know what I'm saying uh yep. that the, there's a whole nother story of uh i worked for ian me and jemmy worked for ian one time and it was a big shoot fight between me and uh ox harley because he hit me with a, yeah. a bat that had tacks all over it I, I told him before i went out there man I, i'm not about that you know if it right, was something where we were right. drawing money on tv yeah okay whatever and i'll get off that story because that's a whole long story but uh yeah. we'll cover I, I just that one I, later, see, one. I, <laughs> I see yeah. some of this stuff and i'm like what are these guys doing, and how much are they making? I mean, yeah. I know that. I, I guess it, that same guy did he not just wrestled Jericho and something about a pizza cutter? I seen that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, he just okay. did it on AEW so, as well. So at know. that at that level, okay, if they, if, if, I know Jericho's making money, That's and good. maybe that guy, yeah. you know, is making money too. And right, if it's drawing money, okay, yeah, but I I don't feel that and. Quite frankly, the pizza cutter thing is nothing to me. I mean, it was probably just dull and rolled across his head. But sure. all that light bulb and, you know, just some of that just dumb shit Toxic. for a yeah. 100 people and no payday is stupid. I mean, it's just dumb. Oh, yeah.
1: And, you know, Nick Cage has cut himself so deep. I've seen in other episodes of Dark Side of the Ring, he showed a, uh, they showed a segment where he almost died before he got to the ambulance because he had yeah. uh, cut himself so deep with razor wire, I think, or maybe it was a light bulb anyway. And I was a kid, you know, my dad owned a store here in our hometown. And when I was a kid, my brother and I used to throw away the bad light bulbs. Well, of course, mm-hmm. we thought it was cool to be like lightsabers. And we would smash mm-hmm. them into us each other. And then the powder comes out of those. And and you can control that, you know? Right. And
2: yeah. And that's that, you know, like kind of somewhat poisonous or something. Or it
1: probably is. I probably, I, I like thought I'd heard that. Out. I don't know. I've
2: never been hit with a fucking light bulb because of, no, I mean, I just, yeah. Nope. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, some of the guys, like uh, uh, my mentor in the business, Kent Still, who uh, rest in peace, he told me, mm-hmm. he said, there's not an independent promoter that can pay me enough to bleed. He says, you know, because first of all, it has to mean something, and it should be at right. the end of something, not at the beginning. And second of yeah. all, you don't know who you're with in that ring, you know? Yeah. So,
2: And that was another that, thing that, like, that came into play, you know, the AIDS epidemic, that's when that all started changing. Wrestlers used to bleed all the time time but then it started being a thing i remember wwe and and that was part of that reason the story i told you about uh getting in the shoot docs is because when we were working for wwe at the time and right there was a policy of no bleeding so if you're going to work right. an indie show do not bleed i told him that
0: exactly
2: I said, don't do that to me you know i said if you want to hit me with a chair stop sign whatever blunt objects that's but I'm completely okay with that. I said, but, yeah. yeah, like I said, we'll get into that one because that started out bad. <laughs>
1: yeah, and you know what's funny is everybody should go to Warren Wolf on Facebook and be, be his friend. Wolfie D yeah. posted a video of it, and, and everything was a match until he whacks you with that bat, and then it's live round time.
2: But if you <laughs> really watch game. from the get-go, from the get-go, like, yeah. me and him – uh, I don't know who he thought he was, or it was kind of one of those deals sure. about well, people do, you ain't shit type of things, jealousy deal. Yeah. But and right. me and Ox are cool now. I can say this in confidence, we're cool. Sure. Uh But sure. we went out there. You could tell yeah. nobody wanted to sell for each other, and it was right. it was not a straight shoot, but it was stiff. And I didn't want to give him nothing. He didn't want to give me nothing. But then when the bat came into play, and then I smacked him in the face with it, shit got real. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, and that's so true. You can watch it, and
1: I can see it turn. And you you, you grab the bat, and then it's live rounds, and I'm like, okay, it's on now. Yeah. So, you know, and the other thing, I think I heard Ricky Morton say this, <sighs> in a death match, you call it a death match, so that means the guy who loses has to die, you know? <laughs> so if they don't die, is it really a death match, you know? Right. Uh, but anyway, Matt Cardona, like I said, he's like a, a New York guy. He clearly mm. – came out the victor on that. But of course that's a push for that uh, GCW company, I'm sure. But anyway, to see him in a death match was pretty surprising. So my second current affair, and this one is going to probably evoke a story that will make us all laugh here is recently (laughs) a former UFC fighter, a former UFC contender Signed with the new AEW promotion by the name of CM Punk. Uh, now I know you've been around, Mister Punk, <laughs> uh, during yeah, the times in oh, TNA. Yeah. And uh, what uh, do you think about that?
2: Why would they do that? You know, is he still a draw in your opinion? I don't know. I never got. But see, I'll, I'll say again. Like when he was getting pushed, I never really looked at it, so I can't give you a super honest opinion. What I can tell you sure. is. When he was with TNA, uh, it was Raven and him and uh, Julio De Niro against uh, Mm my clip, the Disciples. Yeah. And they brought him in. It was some kid in some basketball shorts. And, I mean, he was a decent worker. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, I guess he was green at that point. I didn't know him from Adam. I worked with him a little bit, but I didn't. Yeah. It's not like I was like... Oh, this kid's going to be a star. So, right, and then you know, I kind of got out of business after that for a few years or whatnot. So, I don't really know where where the glory of him came from or who was the mastermind to making that. Because sometimes that's the key. Right. Sometimes you have to yeah. have somebody coaching you, or you know, or maybe it was he ended up being that good? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, I didn't watch his UFC fight. I um, heard that he got beat up. <laughs> what um, much? I think that. <laughs> what much? Uh, I, I do think, even though the people know the difference between USW, or excuse me, uh, UFC and pro wrestling, I still think it hurts you. Um, yeah. And then the way he's acted, from what I've seen, is very prima donna-ish. Very prima donna-ish. Yeah. He yeah. didn't have that long of a run, and to me, become that big of a household name where he has any right to dictate shit, in my opinion. Right. But that's probably. Right. Super old school of me, of hey punk, pay your dues. You know what I'm yeah, saying? So, sure, of course. but I don't know. I mean, uh, from what I understand, I've, I've watched one episode of AEW because I wanted to see what it was all about when it first came on. Yeah, and of course. Of I course. ended up turning it off. And it, no yeah. offense to anybody that's there. It's just like I said again, it's not what I signed up for,
3: it's right, not what right. entertained
2: me and made right. me, you know, be the somewhat, you know, some of these guys made millions more dollars that I have, but I also feel like I had a good career and there's some of them that have made that money that I could work circles around and that's not being cocky. That's just being real. No, but I will say this,
1: just as a partial co-representative of the Wolfie D here, if the AEW ever wants to make the Pizze correct, maybe Wolfie D can come up there and be a coach for some of those tag
2: teams or some of those wrestlers up there. I yeah. think we're always open to that, right, Wolfie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another thing that I, you know, I actually, we didn't tap into this, but this was actually later than where we were on this uh, episode, was I I, I worked as the trainer for uswa on sundays at the at the mansion uh for for a few years there actually i broke james storm into the business um a a few others that did well in the indies uh, but he was my most successful then i had my wrestling school you remember there and uh at tj stuff like that Uh, yeah i I was good at it Uh, oh yeah I just, you would see I commercials for it during long. No <laughs> <more>. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I know Chris kind of took it over when you moved. But anyway, yeah, I remember you having the school there. It was awesome. And and another thing about AEW is it sounds like maybe Daniel Bryan is in there. I can't see that happening with the Bellas having their own reality show and him being on that. I don't know that that's going to happen. But anyway, there's con- yeah. there's possibility of yeah. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan being there. So brother,
2: hard, one. man. That that. Machine oh, is—it's sure. hard to go up against that. That is what common folk know. They some people that aren't wrestling fans, whatever. They don't even use the word wrestling. They say WWE. Right. Right. That's like trying right. to go up, a, and that's why it never works. It's like trying to go up against the NFL. Right. Exactly. People don't say football; yeah. they say NFL. You know, they you're trying NFL. to defeat—you're yeah. uh, trying to defeat an empire, man. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, the other thing, and I can't wait to even uh, ask you about your interactions with the, the, the upper management of WWE. We'll get there. Don't worry, folks. I can't wait. My third question of current events is your old stomping grounds, which has evolved into now what's called Impact. They mm-hmm. are they shoot in Nashville every six weeks or so, and they they have really seemed to put out some money there. Do you ever have any contact with anybody there anymore? Have you ever have mm-hmm. they ever talked to you about coming back? Maybe on one of those, you know, they used to do those shows with all the. I did uh, go original. back on one of
2: those. I, I did. Yeah. I did one of those. Uh me and sin Bodie went down and represented the new church on uh i think a 2000 pay-per-view to see me and brian lee uh, i had a few different partners during that run uh me and brian Lee were the ones that really clicked and made the we got the tag titles and big amw feud and all that kind of stuff Uh, but they 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 sent us back man and it was such a horrible environment on that pay-per-view. This was a point when I don't, I'm not, this is like, again, I kind of wasn't keeping up with it, but Al Snow called me. He's like, hey, we're doing this thing of a pay-per-view. I'm, I was, literally, I was hurt because I was still resting on the time, but I was hurt and getting into that point where I'm about to quit because my body's killing me. Yeah. And I, at first, I said, Al, I, I can't, man. I said, I'd love to, but I can't. I said, I'm right now laying in bed, hurt. and uh saying ain't worth it. So I hung up the phone and I sat there for about five minutes. And I thought, man, this is probably be my last, not to say that it was going to start a run, but this would right. be my last opportunity to start right. a run. Right. And uh, I called her back and I said, I'll be ready. It was like, man, I can't, man. It was like four or six weeks out. Uh, it was those one night stand things. Um, and yeah, we worked, we worked, yeah. uh, LAX. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna tell you, we need, we didn't, and this is a pay per view. Everybody's walking around, you know, all yeah. slumpy faced and, and all this. And I'm there, and Sin's there thinking, this is our chance to get a job here, you know. <laughs> and, and these guys, and no offense to either one of them, and we got out there and did what we could. I think little bad attitudes uh, you know they worked every night I don't know maybe they were hurt I don't know I hate because right. you never know what's going through another guy's mind or how how of they've course. been treated there or anything like that I know of it course. was it wasn't their best effort um, sure. and I didn't even we didn't even speak to him. swear to God till about I don't know 15 minutes before walking through the curtain at a yeah. pay-per-view so I was, I was let down I I felt like as a wrestler, uh, I salvaged as much of—not like I saved a match or anything. That's not what I'm saying. The, salvaged the way I looked uh, right. and right because in, the marks don't know that that match right, got yeah. shit on it, it really yeah. hurt my feelings because I was like. If you motherfuckers, because a lot of people didn't even know I was Slash. They don't know that that was sure. OPD and, you know, whatever. And some of the newer people at that year, you know, uh, my shit goes back far. So if you just became a fan, you know, in 2010 and this is 2013, you see this team come out there, that's your first impression. And exactly. I want to be able to say to some of those people, no, you know, that's that's not what I can do. You know, so that one, I hated that. I really hated that match. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Does Al even have contact with him anymore? I know they kind of went Canadian all Canadian for a while and then Yeah, I'm not I'm um, not even positive on that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I almost ran Al off the road. I was driving out in West Nashville going <laughs> to my job, <laughs> and Al's in his car. He was probably going to Memphis or something. And I'm driving yeah. by him, waving, and he's like looking at me like, Who is this nut? <laughs> and I just wanted, to, I, I couldn't believe it. I saw Al Snow in the car right next to me. I had to wave, and he's like, What are you doing, man? And he like waved back. You know, kind of how that face Al makes that oh, he's yeah. done it on TV and He's like, What? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Anyways, uh, that was a funny
1: thank you. Yeah, he is, is hilarious. And we're going to get into stories with him too. So really leaving it there. Those were a few questions I had about current events. Thank you so much, Wolfie, for again, giving us your time today. We do have some events coming up for you. I know August 15th a signing in Memphis.
2: Do you have anything else you'd like to share with the folks today? Uh, I mean nothing else to r- right now. I mean, like the, if they want eight by tens, hit me up on Facebook. You gave me my Facebook, Warren Wolf. Yeah, uh yeah. Uh, that's you know helping me or out. Contact the through
1: the. Po- yeah, contact me yeah, the, uh, the podcast, and, can, and I'll yeah, put it yeah. directly to Wolfie, and he will get those pictures out there. He has four to choose from, and they're amazing. Honestly, you know, if you if you catch Wolfie uh, with this autograph, there's James Mitchell, there's Brian Lee, and another one. You see them at a convention. There's one yeah. with J.C. J. Ice in it. You can catch him at another signing. You guys are going to be in New York soon with a ton of Hall of Famers and, and famous people. Yeah, that's so, uh, uh,
2: November. Uh, there's 13, actually two shows on that it's a, it's a We'll be there for three days. We're doing something on a Friday. Uh, I, I don't have my itinerary at this point. I just know it's, that yeah, so we'll logistics have it. We'll and have money it. and all that stuff. But, oh, yeah,
1: man. <laughs> <what> <laughs> we'll have it. Now, and again, we'll figure out exactly the dates on your upcoming uh, Haunted House appearance, too. Yeah. Uh, but other yeah. than that, you know, visit us on Facebook, Live and in Color with Wolfie D Podcast. Visit us on Twitter, at Live Wolfie D. Visit us on YouTube, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. And always remember we're on all your podcast format thank you guys for listening so much thanks again wolfie d yes jimmy thank you yeah man thanks guys
0: and now a word from our sponsor Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Big Picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Is the fuck's He's gonna tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're gonna hear all about it by Jablonski.
3: In a world that has been completely divided for so long, two movie fans have decided to unite for the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, They will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies available wherever you listen to podcasts look them up on facebook and instagram i got a cat for you don't i got a
0: cat for you don't i got a cat for you don't i got a cat for you don't and here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating cause we're spitting the truth, still loving in color, don't rush your mother, utilize a hubcap unlike any other. Back in the day, I was N.O.D., and I was P to the G, plus the one and the three, in case you forgot. They call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tired of is taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping. Restless first white boy, boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Lay low for a while and you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no making man, there's no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks in open room or theater not here to play games, so you better be right. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care all The time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You second a step to the side unless you want to get dropped When i finish, I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about Gonna wind it up been driving it home this goofy doin baby huh i got a cap for you don't got a cap for you don't got a cap for your dome. You got a cap for you don't
1: this has been a james rock
0: street production